we have a part to play in what God's doing in the earth today. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. A much bigger part than what the world realizes or what the church even realizes. Yeah. So many of the church think, well, God's just going to do whatever he wants. Well, God can only do what his word says he can do. He will not violate his word. And when God needs us to pray for him to manifest, then that means we have to do our part. Remember, there's a Godward side. There's a manward side. Yeah. Amen. We know God's almighty, all-powerful, all-creating. We know he's an all-sufficient God, a God that's more than enough. He's the creator of heaven and earth. We know who he is. He's holy. He's wonderful. He's glorious. He's awesome. But he's the one that set this plan up. He's the one that put it into motion the way that it's taken place. And so he's, because he's done that, because he's created everything, then he has the right to set the parameters by how it operates. Amen? And so God needs us to operate and flow together with him. Hallelujah. Very important. And so that means we've got a job to do, just, just like God has a job to do. Amen. And we have to do it together. We have to be co-laborers together with him. Amen. Hallelujah. So thank God for the privilege and the opportunity to do so. Think about that, to be a co-labor, to work together with Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth. That he, being who he is and how awesome he is, would say, I want you to work with me. That's a pretty awesome opportunity, isn't it? What a blessing to be a part of that. Amen. Hallelujah. So we want to make sure that we do our part. Yes. All right, now I want you to hold your place here in James for just a moment. And we're in talking about that particular truth that we have a part to play. Notice something he says in Isaiah chapter 43. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 43, we're going to look at verses 25 and 26. I quoted them this morning. Amen. I didn't quote all of it. I quoted more 26 than I did 25. But uh, they go together, hand in hand. Amen. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25, God says, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake. Now think about that. That's God talking here. And God's telling us that he blots out our transgressions for his sake. Why is that? So that we can be in fellowship with him. So that we can be, as Paul said to the church of Corinth, co-laborers together with him. That we can work with him. If he doesn't blot out our transgressions, our sins, we can't. We can't fellowship with him. We can't work with him. We can't do any of those things. But he's blotted them out for his sake. Amen. And he will not remember thy sins. So he won't remember them. That's good news, isn't it? Yes, yes. Now watch the 26th verse. Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. Now, what's he saying to us? When he says, number one, put me in remembrance. In other words, he's telling us to remind him of what he said in his word. See, these are legal terms. Amen. These are the same kind of terms that you would use in a courtroom when you're pleading a case before a judge. Remember, God's the righteous judge. Yes. Jesus and the Holy Ghost are the advocate. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And because of what he's done for us, we're no longer the defendant. We're working with him. Because he's already done for us everything he needs to do. He purchased for us our redemption. We've accepted that, been born again, 
Hallelujah. So now when it comes to that part of it, we don't need an advocate on that side because he's already been our advocate. He's already done for that. He's already defended us. He's already accomplished everything he needs to accomplish. Now he says to us, put me in remembrance. In other words, you need to cite precedents for the things that God said. Isn't that what they do in a courtroom? The first thing that a, uh, uh, an attorney would do, or a law firm would do, is they have individuals that work for them called paralegals. And so the paralegals are the ones that do the research. Yes. In other words, they take the time, okay, and they go into the law libraries and they search through all these different law books trying to find precedents that have been set in cases prior to the case that their firm is pleading before a judge at that time. So they try to find those favorable precedences that, that go along with what they're dealing with at that moment. And so the paralegal gets that information together and brings it to the attorney. And then the attorney takes it into the courtroom and pleads that before the judge and before the jury. Are you listening? Yeah. Amen. They plead that case. Well, this is exactly what God's telling us he wants us to do. He's blotted out our transgressions. He's removed our sins. He doesn't remember them any longer. And so as far as he's concerned, we've been declared righteous, and we should be, feel the same way because we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Amen. He made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, he who knew no sin, that we who did no sin might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So that means that our sins have been washed away. God will not remember them. We've been declared righteous. And so now we're on his team. Amen. Amen. That's good news. We're on his team. As Paul said to the church of Corinth, we're co-laborers together with him. And so we're working in this thing together with God. And so then God's telling us right here, now, I want you to put me in remembrance. In other words, remind me of the things that I've done. It's not like God forgets. But this is all based on law terms. You understand what I'm saying? And so because the way things are set up, because the enemy has done what he's done by talking Adam and Eve into relinquishing their authority in the earth to him. Jesus coming then and restoring that authority back to us, he puts us in a position now that we can plead cases before God. And by doing so, because we have been given that authority back, now we can plead for the souls of people. Are y'all listening? Circumstances, situations, we can plead those cases. Why? Because we've been declared righteous and because God's only bound by his word. And so for him, you've heard me say it before, him, he just can't run roughshod over the devil because of the way things were set up. Not that he doesn't have the authority, he does. Not that he doesn't have the power, he does. Not that he doesn't have the right, he does. But he's bound by his word. And when he relinquished that authority to man, and man committed high treason and transferred that authority to the devil, that means the devil has that authority, and God will not, just like Jesus would not shortcut that authority, just why he, just why he had to go die in our place, go to hell in our place, to give that authority to us. He wouldn't short-circuit it. He wouldn't shortcut it. He had to do it that way. He would do it that way. And because Jesus had to do it that way because God's bound by his word, then God needs us to work together with him 
to remind him of what he said in his word about what he would do. Amen. And watch what he goes on to say. So he says, put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Plead means to argue. Amen. To present a case. To plead the case before him of what it is we're praying about. If we're praying about lost souls, we need to plead their case. Well, how would we go about doing that? We would search the scriptures to find out what the Bible has to say about lost souls. Well, what does he say about it? Well, we know this. He told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2. He said that prayer, supplication, giving of thanks be made for all men for kings and for those in authority over us, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. So that tells us he wants all men to be saved. And he said that we should be praying for kings, leaders, those in authority over us. Why? For the ultimate purpose of souls being saved. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. Yeah. Right. Well, how many realize we're not experiencing a quiet and peaceable life right now? No. It's a life of turmoil. Oh, yeah. right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and it ought not to be that way. That's right. And that's why we have to do what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to pray that's right. for those kings, for those individuals in authority over us. And we also pray for our enemies because I'm going to be honest with you, some of those leaders are enemies. Oh, yeah. They're not for us. They're against us. That's right. Amen. There's many of them, many of them. They want to pass bills in Congress that declares born again believers as domestic terrorists. And if they do that, then they can remove your natural rights, your rights as a citizen of the United States of America. They can remove those rights from you as a domestic terrorist. You no longer have rights. You understand what I'm saying? So don't think that there's not a battle going on. Because oh, yes, it's going on. That's right. And you can research those bills. You can, you can search them online. <coughs> Amen. They want to do that. That's their goal. Why? Because that's the devil's goal. Yes. To shut us up and take us out. But God's for us. And because he's for us, no one can succeed against us. Test and trials come. But God delivers us out of every single one of them. He said it this morning when he spoke to us, didn't he? Through a tongue and interpretation. That's one of the things he said. He delivers us out of every single one. Tests and trials come. Afflictions come. Amen. Battles come. Persecutions come. But he delivers us. He brings us through. Amen. And when we studied on what Paul said concerning his thorn in the flesh, remember he was a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. But... When he sought the Lord about it, the Lord said, listen, I'm made perfect in your weakness. So we have to rely on him and let him rise to the occasion and bring freedom and deliverance to us. Wasn't that Paul didn't go through persecution, but God delivered him out of them all, didn't he? Yeah, he delivered him from his countrymen. He delivered him from perils of water, perils of sword, perils of robbers. God delivered him through every one of them, didn't he? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right, so. That being the case, he says, now remember, put me in remembrance, remind him, plead, let's plead together. In other words, argue this case. So what's another scripture? He's long-suffering. 
Amen. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's what Peter said. So he doesn't want anybody to die and go to hell. And then when it comes to our family members, we can take it a step further in Acts chapter 16. You know, he said, if we believe us and our whole house would be saved. And when the Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses should everywhere be established, there's three witnesses right there that he wants people to be born again. So when he's telling us, come plead, remind him, what do we do? We remind him of what he said in his word, like those scriptures right there. And we declare that we plead that we argue that case. God, you said you don't want people to die and go to hell. You want people to be born again. What if it's about somebody's healing? Well, we know this. God wants them to be healed. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. Why? Because surely he bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases. And with his stripes were healed. He bare our sins in his own body and entreated. We've been dead to sin should live under righteousness by whose stripes we were healed. Matthew 8, 17, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Psalms 103, 3, he forgives all our iniquities. He heals all our diseases. Are y'all listening? Hallelujah. Psalms 107, verse 20, says he sent his word and delivered us from our destruction. Psalms 30 said, I cried unto the Lord and he healed me. See, all these scriptures that tell us he wants us to be healed. So we can declare that, can't we? And not just for us, he wants it for everybody else too. Now, our faith is required, isn't it? But when it comes to some individuals, some situations, some individuals are fighting major physical battles, it's going to take that kind of faith, that kind of prayer, that pleading before God, reminding him of what he said about their healing. That's going to bring that healing about. It's going to require, listen, some extra effort. Are you all with me? Sure, they have to release faith. Sure, they have to receive from God. But sometimes they need some help. That's where supplication comes in. That's the prayer on the behalf of other believers. Deep, earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer. Sometimes that's what's required. Unless somebody is just in a position where they don't want to be healed, then some people don't. For whatever reason. Some people just tired of fighting the battle and want to go home. That's their prerogative. We're not against them in any way, shape, or form. But I'm a firm believer in if that's the case, tell us. Let us know. Because then we'll pray for you to go home. Okay? So that's, that's just the way it is. You all out there? Some people don't want to be healed because they don't want to get off a disability. They don't want to have to work a job. Y'all out there? I've heard people testify. The Lord blessed me to be able to, to not have to work a regular job at the age of 50. Why? Because it's on disability. That wasn't a blessing of the Lord. Because if you can really work, then it makes you a liar. And that's sinning. And if you can't at the age of 50, then that's not life and having it more abundantly. 
If you're blessed to the point where you choose not to because you've been so blessed and you've made, you know, financial investments and stuff that's blessed you to the place where you don't have to work, you could do that at 30 and that's more power to you. But it's not because you said the Lord blessed me by putting me in a wheelchair or the Lord blessed me by, by giving, putting me on disability and making the government pay me. Oh, come on, don't shout me down because I'm telling you the truth. I've got the meddling now, haven't I? I'm on the meddling. But it's true nonetheless. Now, I'm not saying there's some people on disability and they're just, their faith isn't in a place where they've got in position to receive healing for whatever it is yet. And we're not against that. We're not down on people for that. Understand what I'm saying? I'm not, make, I'm going, out, I'm not going out here and attacking people. I'm just telling you the truth of the matter. Because it's going to be awful hard for you to get healed if you're going to go lying about it. Huh? People, some people don't want And then you got people that are on the other side of the fence. They want to, you know, people want to get healed lung cancer. They can, they can smoke more. <clears throat> that one's not working either. Hello? Why should God heal you if you're just going to just poison your body again? You understand what I'm saying? Amen. All right, I'll stop meddling. Y'all getting quiet on me. He said, put me in remembrance. We're talking about scripture, reminding him of scriptures. He said, let us plead together. In other words, argue this case. See, that's why Charles Finney was so good at what he did. Because he studied to be an attorney when he got saved. And when he got saved, he realized that the Bible's full of legal terms. And so he began to use the word of God based upon those legal terms. And he learned how, because he was trained as an attorney, to plead people's cases. He knew how to plead people's cases before God. And by doing so, he was able to see whole cities saved. Amen. Because he figured it out how to plead their cases before God. And it caused God to have to answer with the removal of God, with revival. And he even said, he's, in his memoirs, he said, I had some, some, in, in some uh, experiences in prayer. He said that did in, indeed alarmed me. He said, I found myself saying to God, you don't think we're not going to have revival here, do you? Hallelujah. That's right. Now you get to the place where you're talking to God like, you don't, God, you don't think we're not going to have a move of God here, do you? Because of his confidence in what the word said. See, he was used to searching law books to find precedents for what it was that he was pleading before a judge. He just used that same wisdom, that same natural knowledge to search this book, the Holy Bible, and to find the precedents that he could use to plead people's cases before God. And he knew that if he did that and did it right, God had, are you listening? God had to do what his word says. That's why he says, put me in remembrance. In other words, remind me it's not like God doesn't know it. It's not like God doesn't want to do it. It's just there's a devil out there that could cry foul, 
But if you do it the right way, there's not a thing the devil can say. There's no hindrance that he can use. He cannot stop God from moving. Hallelujah. And Finney had that, got to that place where he realized that. And that's why he found himself saying to God, you don't think you're not going to move here, do you, God? You have to move here. You have to do this. You have to do that. Not because it was Finney doing it. It's because God already said it. He'd already proven it. Let me, give me a, let me give you a good example of what we're talking about here. Turn, hold your place. We'll probably come back here too. Uh, turn to 1 John chapter 1. Now, many of you know this because I've taught you, but uh, for the sake of those who may be watching who don't know, you're fixing to learn something here. It'll be a blessing to you. First John chapter 1. Now, we, you know, we learn this scripture before, when we get saved pretty quick. Why? Because we're human. We make mistakes. Now, you have some people out there that teach an unscriptural uh, doctrine on grace, but says this is not written to the church, but it is written to the church. He's writing to the beloved. And the beloved is the church. And he's saying to us, the beloved, if we confess our sins... Verse 9, he is faithful, but he's not just faithful, watch, and just. To do what? To forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what's that saying to us here? If we confess our sins, so if we make a mistake as a believer, we mess up. And it could be a bad one, couldn't it? And we all sin, sin, really, to be honest about it. But uh, it could be seemingly bad. But if you confess it, God is faithful. Yes, he's faithful, absolutely. But he's not just faithful, he's just. In other words, God has to forgive you. You all listening? He has to. Well, yeah, because God's faithful. No. He's faithful because he is, but he doesn't have to forgive you because he's faithful. He has to forgive you because he's just. Yes. And because he's just, his word says right here, if you confess, he has to forgive you. You see what we're saying? There's, very, there's great importance in this. It's just like what Isaiah is saying here. Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. We haven't read it yet, but he says, declare thou that thou mayest be justified. What he's saying right here, if you confess your sin, what sin? Anything that misses the mark. That's sin. Sin literally means to miss the mark. It's like an archer shooting an arrow at a target. If the archer draws back his bow and misses the mark, the target's the mark. That's what sin means, to miss the mark. Okay? So if we miss it, we make a mistake, that's sin. And he doesn't say, if we confess this sin, he'll do it. He doesn't say, if we can confess a sin that's not too bad. You all listen? If we confess, as long as it's not a big one. He doesn't say that. He said, if we confess our sins... No matter what it is, 
If we confess our sins, he's faithful. Yes, he's faithful, no doubt. And just. He has to forgive us because he's bound by his word. And it's his word we're reading right now. It's his word that tells us that if we confess our sins, he forgives us. It's his word that says it. So what are we doing when we confess our sins? In essence, number one, we're reminding him of what he said. Number two, we're pleading before him. You said, if I confess my sins, you said you'd forgive my sins. So I'm confessing them. And he has to forgive you. Y'all with me? And he goes on to say, declare thou that thou mayest be justified. So by declaring what his word says, then we are justified or restored back to right standing because we did what he said. He has to do what he said. That's just the way it is. Are y'all getting what I'm saying here? You get what I'm trying to get across to you? This is extremely important. Because we do the manward side, God has to do the Godward side. Oh, you mean you're ordering God? No, I'm reminding him of what he said. Really, all I'm doing is positioning him to do what he wants to do in the first place. He just needs us to do our part so he can do his part and the devil can't say a thing about it. Hallelujah. Now that right there ought to make you jump and run circles around this room. Because that is one of the most powerful revelations you'll ever get a hold of. Because if he said in his word, it's a done deal. It's done. And that's why he says, put me in remembrance. Declare. Plead. Plead the case. Declare it and you'll be justified. Amen. You'll get what you're declaring when you declare his word. So it's of the utmost importance that we do so. And do it in faith. Y'all with me? Hallelujah. All right, turn back to Isaiah 43 real quick and let's notice, let's finish this up here. So put me in remembrance, verse 26. Let us plead together. In other words, let's argue this case. Declare thou. Declare what God said. Make bold declarations of his truth. And in faith, do it. And remember what 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 says? This is the confidence we have anything in, in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. One translation says this is the boldness that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to what, he, what he, his word says, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we desired of him. Amen. So that tells us that we can boldly declare. Because we ask in line with his word. God, you hear what I say because I'm saying what you said. And not only do you hear what I say, you do what I say because I say what you say. Not because of us, but all because of him. You understand? It's all because of what he did. It's all because of what his word says. All we're doing is getting in agreement with his word and doing what he asked us to do. And that's why he told us in the 25th verse, I, even I, am him that blotted out thine transgressions and will not remember those sins. Why? For his sake. Because that puts us in a position, one, to be in fellowship with him, two, to do what he's asked us to do. Yeah. Yeah. 
And the devil can't cry. The devil can't say to God, well, you know, they're just sinners. They blew it. They missed it. They made a mistake. No, we just go to 1 John 1 and 9 and we do what God said. We remind God, this is what you said. I'm confessing my sin. Yeah, I blew it. I missed it. I was wrong. I made a mistake. I messed up royally. But I'm confessing it and asking you forgiveness. And I know because you're faithful and you're just. I know your word says you have to forgive me. And devil, I'm forgiven. And because I'm forgiven, you can't stop me from doing what God wants me to do. Amen. Y'all get what we're saying here? Hallelujah. So that puts us in a place that we can remind him of what he said. We can plead and argue the case before him. We can make those declarations of faith in his word. And we will, not maybe, we will be justified. I'm not telling you my word. I'm telling you his word. This is the Bible. Y'all with me? Hallelujah. That's why it's so important to us. Now, along this line, uh, turn back, if you would, to, uh, or turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We looked at this before, but let's look at it again because it fits right here in what we're talking about. How many have found out when you have unconfessed sin in your life, it hinders you in your prayer life? Why? Because the devil uses it against you. Amen. And so we've got the word to combat that because God's given us his word to cover everything. Hallelujah. He didn't leave us in the dark, folks. He didn't leave us hanging. God's too good for that. He doesn't leave us hanging. He gave us his word. All right. So in Ephesians 6.10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That word wild means strategies of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Talking about demons, evil spirits, all those things. We're not wrestling against human beings, but demons. Which the good thing is, remember, they're defeated and under our feet. Verse 13, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having an all to stand, stand therefore. The Amplified Bible says, having in all that the crisis demands to stand, keep on standing. Having your loins girt about with truth. Now remember, that's a clear understanding of what God's Word says. That's why we study the Bible. So we know what God's Word. That's why we're teaching you the things we're teaching you right now. So that you can skillfully take this scriptures, these, this, this Word we've been teaching you, put it to practice, and produce results for the kingdom. You listen to what I'm saying? So having your loins good about with truth, that's a clear understanding of God's word. So many believers have a skewed understanding. They don't have a clear understanding. It's been skewed by theory, <clears throat> religious brainwashing, and not New Testament teaching. You all out there? Yes, yes. People have gone to seminaries. They have their minds disrupted with error. Instead of studying the Bible... I'm not saying you can't find places to go and be taught the truth, because you can't. But there's a lot of them that are teaching theories. And the theories have been subject to change 
as society changes. We was having lunch with some folks today. We was counseling with them about some situations they had going on in their family. And uh, they, they shared a, a post that a pastor made. He said, I'm, I'm married. He said, I have, I think, two or three children. He said, but I am a binary something else queer. He cross-dresses, all these other things, and yet he's a pastor. Folks, that's contrary to the Word of God. What does the Bible say? i got to take another side journey, so hold your place here. Amen. Turn back to Genesis chapter 1. I want you to see something here. Just to show how goofy some of this stuff is, and I know people can get mad at me, say what they want, and Facebook can flag me, whatever they want to do. I could give a rip less, because the truth's the truth nonetheless. But notice what it says in Genesis, the holy written word of God. Verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Verse 27. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. He did not create them multi-gendered. He created them male or female. That's the Bible, folks. I'm not made, this is not the gospel according to David Harbison. This is Genesis. The first book of the Holy Bible. And I can take you to scripture after scripture that says God does not change. He's God and he changes not. With God, there's no variables, neither shadow of turning. Jesus Christ, who is the word, the Bible says, that became flesh, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that means the word does not change. God does not change. That means this has not changed. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. This is the truth of the word of the living God. Y'all out there? So you're supposed to be a man of God, but you ain't even saying you're a man. You're saying that you're binary this, that, or whatever. You're not multi-gendered. The fact that you've got children, you've fathered children, means you're a man. So bless God to stand up and act like it. Oh, I know I could get, you know, bad comments. I could, listen, folks, if you want to give me, send me a bad, I don't care. I just don't care. I'm not trying to be mean. I just got to tell you the truth. And I don't care if you don't like it. It's the truth of the word. And it's time that we stand our ground and, and boldly declare what God said instead of cowing down to what everybody else says. 
Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So now let's go back to Ephesians 6. We'll try to wrap all this together. So you, you get, are you getting anything out of it? So he says, stand therefore, verse 14, having your loins girt about with truth, which is a clear understanding of God's word. Why? Because we study to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen need not be ashamed, rightly dividing, correctly analyzing, yet skillfully utilizing the word of God. Amen? 2 Corinthians, or, or, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.15. Okay? So that's what we do. We study the word of God. We do it. We're not here attacking people. We're just telling you the truth of the matter. Yes, Amen? And we love people. And we pray for everybody. We don't care what situation they're in. We pray for them. But if we don't, if we don't have enough guts to tell them what their lifestyle, it can be very detrimental to them when this thing ends up. I was talking to someone last night. And I said, this is the thing. I said, I know what I see in the Word of God to be true. I live by what the Word of God tells me. It helps me to be a better person. It helps me to treat people better. Compared to what I used to be prior to my conversion, trying to be born again, I was not a good person. I did not treat people good. I didn't want to treat people good. Y'all listening? But when I got saved, it changed me and caused me to want to do good things to be a blessing to people and not a curse. So, my conversion, my accepting what the Bible says is true and receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, being a born-again Christian, spirit-filled tongue talker, having the Holy Ghost living great big on the inside of me, helping me in my daily walk to treat people a better way, even if I'm wrong, does not hurt me. But I'm not wrong. But even if I was wrong, that does not hurt me. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. If they're right, the ones that say there is no God, if they're right, I'm no worse off. You understand what I'm saying? However, if I'm right, which I believe that I am, not because of who I am, but because of what his word says, and there is a, hell, a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, and you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. If I'm right, which I believe I am, according to what the word says, and the ones that believe there is no God are wrong, then they're in trouble. Amen. But even if they're right and I'm wrong, I'm no worse off. You understand what I'm saying? I just live my life a better way. I just treated people better. I just was a blessing to people. Try to be a blessing to people. I'm not saying I'm always perfect. I'm not. But always trying to be a blessing, trying to help people do things like that. I'm not, I'm not worse off. Amen. That's right. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. And if I'd done you good and been a blessing to you, and I was gone, what are you going to say? He was a blessing to me. Hallelujah. Yes. All right now. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm no worse off. Amen. But boy, if I'm right, and those ones that say there is no God are wrong, which I'm convinced they are, then when the rubber meets the road, or we meet Jesus, it's going to be a whole different animal. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? Because they're in trouble. Hallelujah. Absolutely not worth the gamble. That's right. That's one bet you don't want to take. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, so let's look at this now. All right, stand therefore having your loins girded by with truth so we have a clear understanding of God's word. Why? Because we study to show ourselves approved unto God. Now what he goes on to say, B portion of this verse. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. Now why is that important? Because we've been declared righteous. And by being declared righteous, if you understand the context of everything he's talking about here, the whole context of why he's telling this, when it's because of prayer. That's what it's about. Because if you drop down here in the 18th verse, praying always. So the whole context of what he's saying, being strong in the Lord, the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Amen. And having all that the Christ is the man's to stand, keep on standing. Having your loins girded about with truth, having on the breastplate, all those things is so that we can pray effectively. Verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So he's talking about praying with all types of prayers, all manners of prayers. That's what he's talking about here. That's the context of what he's using this for. So what he's telling us is, number one, we have to have the clear understanding of God's word when we pray because we have to pray in line with his word. What did he say back in Isaiah 43? Put me in remembrance. In other words, remind him of what his word says. To plead the case of his word. Plead it. Three, declare it that you might be justified. So the purpose of us having on the breastplate of righteousness is so the devil can't tell us you don't have a right to go to God because you was a bad boy. You did this. You was bad. You can't go to God and pray because you messed up. What do you do in a situation like that? You say to the devil, you're right, I messed up. But God said, put me in remembrance. And I reminded God that he said, if I confess that bad thing that I did, that he's faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness, And I declare that to God, and I'm justified. Justified means made right. Or in other words, I'm back as the righteousness of God in Christ. So I got that breastplate of righteousness intact. And so when you tell me that I'm a bad boy, I can't pray. I can say, I was a bad boy but I'm not a bad boy anymore because I confessed it before God. I did what his word said. He's forgiven me. He's washed me. He's cleansed me. And guess what? I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. So God hears my prayers and he answers my prayers. So when I start praying against you, devil, I'm praying a winning battle because God's on my side. Can you see it? Hallelujah. Uh Amen.
That's why it's all so important. So I didn't leave you hanging. This all fits together. Turn now back to James. Chapter 5, where we left off this morning. And James even says it this way, if we sin against our brother. Here comes that confessing part again. Confess your faults one to another. That's if you sin against your brother or your sister. Why? Because that can hinder your prayers too. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. See, sometimes it comes to being healed, you might need to have somebody to forgive you and have them pray for you. Come on now, I didn't write it, it's in here. Then he goes on and says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. All right, now let me read that to you again from the Amplified Bible because we need to see the clarity of it. Hallelujah. You know, y'all know you're hearing things that most people haven't heard. And it's not because of who I am, it's because of who he is. I just had the privilege of walking in a gift that he's placed on the inside of me. Amen. All right, now watch this. In James chapter 5, Amplified Bible. We're just going to pick up the, the, the B portion of the verse. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Now notice how he says that in the Amplified. The continued, or the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a who? Righteous man. Who's righteous? Every one of us that's accepted Jesus. We've been declared righteous. So if we want to be able to pray in a way that changes nations or affects whole nations, and that's exactly what Elijah did. He prayed that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years, and that affected the whole nation of Israel, and not just them, but all the nations around them. They got no rain for three and a half years because of one righteous person's continued, earnest, heartfelt prayer. So that lets us know that if we want to have effective, deep, and I'm not just saying deep, earnest, I'm saying effective, deep, earnest, and heartfelt prayer. We have to understand that we have been declared righteous, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ, and there's nothing there to hinder us from God hearing our prayers. Y'all listening? No wonder the devil wants to get 1 John 1 and 9 away from the believer. Because he knows we're human and we know that he's after us to get us to stumble every time he can. And so he knows if we don't confess it, he knows it's a hindrance between us and God. Why? Because he's the first one to sin. And he knows what sin does. It separated him from God. And it separates us from God. So he knows that if we're living in sin, we're not walking in righteousness. And that means God can't hear and answer our prayers. 
So he don't want us to confess it because if we confess it, then that means he forgives us. Yeah. And that means he hears us. And we get the prayers answered. Y'all see what we're saying here? Hallelujah. So the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of righteous people, those that have been declared righteous, have been made right, given right standing with God. Those that have been justified by faith in Christ. When we pray, we make tremendous power available that's dynamic in its working, that literally can change nations. But we have to pray in faith. And when we couple this with what Luke said, what Jesus said to the disciples in Luke chapter 18, when Jesus, when the Son of Man comes back, will he find this kind of persistent, persistent, it's the deep, earnest, heartfelt, persistent prayer. Will he find that kind of faith in the earth? The kind of faith, that, like we said, you've heard me say it, I say it over and over again, the kind of faith that will grab a hold of the horns of the altar and do not let go till Almighty God sends down the rain. Amen. See, what we need right now is we need rain. But the kind of rain we need is the Holy Ghost rain. We need what the Bible says we should have, the farmer and the latter rain in the same month. And it's starting to rain. It's sprinkling right now. But farmer and latter means a cloudburst. It means a deluge. It's not a sprinkle. Thank God for the sprinkling, but I don't want the sprinkle. I want the Holy Ghost deluge. I want the cloud burst. I want a spiritual flood that'll wash away the devil and his cohorts. Hallelujah. Y'all listening? That's what we're looking for. So we have to do this in line with the word. We got to do it his way. Amen. Now it's unfortunate, hopefully, hopefully many of them are watching, but it's unfortunate that people would listen to everything we said this morning and miss out on this part of it. Because this, now some people I know had to be, out of, you know, be away because different things, but some just decided to stay home and watch television. Their favorite shows on Sunday night. But missed out on some of the most important part of what we've been talking about. Because we need to change things. And we have a big part to play in the change. We don't have to make it happen. We just have to put God in position so he can make it happen. Well, God just do it. Well, then why didn't he have, why didn't he have already done it? Why does he keep saying through all the prophets, pray, 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 pray? Why did Jesus say men are always to pray? Why does the Bible talk about praying without ceasing? Amen. Why does Jesus use this analogy here in Luke 18 
talking about a woman that goes before an unjust judge and just keeps going after him, going after him, going after him, going after him, and saying that when we go after God in prayer that way, that God will suddenly turn things around. But you have to remember, the suddenly comes after a time of continued, earnest, heartfelt prayer. Then the suddenly shows up. Come on now, y'all, that's what I'm saying. Then the suddenly shows up. But people want to pray and have it instantly. It's going to happen suddenly. doesn't say instantly. It's going to happen suddenly. After we've done the manward side, the Godward side is going to happen suddenly. Surely, he said, God will avenge his elect. Let me read it to you so you can see that I'm not making it up. Luke chapter 18. Are y'all getting anything out of this? Hallelujah. Notice what he says here. I'm going to start with verse 5 again. Yet because this widow continues to bother me, I will defend and protect and avenge her, lest she give me intolerable annoyance and weary me out by her continual coming. The continued, earnest, heartfelt prayer. By her continual coming, or at the last, she come and rail on me or assault me or strangle me. I'm not saying we're not going to go out there and, and, and assault God or strangle him. But I don't think that Jacob was trying to assault the angel. He was just holding on and wasn't letting go until he got blessed. Amen. And so we need to grab a hold of God and say, Lord, and, and we do it by faith. We're not letting you go till you change things. We are not letting you go till you change things. Are y'all listening? We're not letting you go. You got to change it. You said if we did our part, you would do your part. You told us to remind you of that. You told us to plead this case. You gave us your word to plead in the first place. You told us to declare it, make bold declarations of faith in what your word says. And you said, if we did that, we would be justified. And so we're praying. Hallelujah. We're praying for our nation. We're praying for our families. We're praying for our cities. Y'all listening? Amen. We're praying for the church. We're praying for you to move. We're praying for revival. We're praying for a harvest. And we're grabbing hold and we ain't letting go. We're not stopping until the church is on fire. The harvest is reaped. The bodies are healed. The nation's changed. Then the trumpet can sound. Then Jesus can come back and get us out of this mess. But we ain't letting go till you bless us. Hallelujah. I remember something Brother Hagin said concerning something he had been praying about. And he told the Lord, he said, Lord, I'm not going to be mad at you about it. 
He said, but I'm going to remind you every waking moment of my life. He said, I won't be mad at you. I won't be bitter about it. He said, but I'm going to remind you every day. And the Lord said, you don't have to worry about it because I'll do what you asked me to do. <laughs> Amen. Well, that lines up with the scripture, doesn't it? Hallelujah. But he meant what he said to the Lord. He wasn't playing games. I'm going to remind you about it every day. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, he's saying right here, glory to God. This woman would not shut up. And sometimes women can be good at that. But so can men. And there's nothing wrong with it as long as it's channeled the right way. Hallelujah. The continued, earnest, heartfelt prayer of those justified and declared righteous by God through the blood of Jesus makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. They make life-changing power, nation-changing power, church-changing power available. Hallelujah. Devil-defeating power. Available, which is dynamic in its working. Hallelujah. Oh man, I don't know about you, but I preach myself happy. Hallelujah. This is the truth of the word right here. We're talking about the word. All right, so now, remember everything we do in this kind of prayer is just as much, takes just as much faith as the prayer of faith. And listen to me, understand something here. Just like when we go to pray the prayer of faith for our healing or for our needs to be met on our own personal life, you know, things like that. We have to search the scriptures. Why? To find out if God said we could have it. To do what? To produce faith in our life so that we can release that faith and receive from God. Isn't that right? Well, what have we looked at so far tonight? Well, he told us, I blotted out your sins. I don't remember your transgressions for his sake so we can be in fellowship with him. And he said, now remind me by reminding him of what his word says. That means we've searched the scriptures to remind him what did you say about this situation? What happens when you start reminding God of what he says about those things? You're looking at what his word says. What happens when you're reading his word? This is not a trick question. It's exactly what. Faith comes by what? And hearing by what? So when you start studying his word and reading his word, what's happening? Faith building on the inside of you. Faith to do what? To remind him of what he said. Faith to do what? To plead before him what he said. Faith to do what? To receive that justification he said you could have by doing that. What happened? Faith is produced to get the very thing God's asking you to do. So it takes faith, all areas of it. When it comes to prayer, it takes faith in every single one. I don't even care if you're praying the prayer of dedication and consecration to God where you say, Lord, if it's your will, that's what I want. It takes faith to listen to his will. It all requires faith. That's right. Every bit of it does. 
Well, it's no wonder because his word's clear about it. Look at, at Hebrews chapter 11. These are not new scriptures, but just to bear a little extra light on what we're talking about. It'll help you to see and understand some things more clearly. We're going to look at the fifth verse and the sixth verse. Normally we just look at the sixth verse. We're going to look at the fifth verse as well, but watch what he says. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony. What was his testimony? That he pleased God. What did it take to please God? He goes on in the next verse and says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So what did Enoch do? He, he had faith in the opportunity and the ability to fellowship with God every day. He believed God would have fellowship with him. And he did have fellowship with him. Are y'all listening? And he walked with God for 300 years. And fellowshiped with him. Because he believed that God was. And what did God do to reward him? He took him. One day in their fellowship, God said, Enoch, I don't want to leave you today. I'm just going to take you with me. So he took him along. Took him home. First rapture. There's multiple raptures in the Bible. You all know that, don't you? That's the first rapture. Yeah, he was taken. He didn't die. He was taken to heaven. There's another rapture in the Bible. Elijah. He never died either. A chariot of fire and a whirlwind came down and picked him up. Hallelujah. And what happened to him? Well, we know he was a man of faith. Why? Because the Bible says in James, Elijah was a man like we are. Tempted and tested just like we have been. Flesh just like we've got. Same constitution just like we have. But he prayed earnestly in faith that it wouldn't rain and it didn't rain. And then he prayed earnestly that it would rain and it did rain. And then one day God said, come up here. Y'all listening? Come up here. There's another rapture. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Why? Because they please God. They walk by faith. Everything we do requires faith. And so now let's look at the sixth verse. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. You can't please God any other way. Why? For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And then if you read on through here, you'll see all these individuals that operated by faith. Verse seven, by faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, move with fear, prepare it. That's not fear like a snake. Amen. That's reverence of what God said. Prepare an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Hallelujah. By faith, Abraham, 
when he was called to go out to a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed and he went out, not knowing where he was going or whither he went. But he did it by faith. <coughs> by faith he sojourned in a land of promise. Hallelujah. As in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Watch this, verse 10. For he looked for a city who hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He did it by faith. Through faith, Sarah, also Sarah herself, received strength to conceive seed. See, Sarah had released faith too. And was delivered of child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Hallelujah. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Folks, you may not realize this, but we are strangers and pilgrims too. Amen. Amen. Petra had a song out, you know, years ago. We are aliens. That's because we're we're citizens of a whole, whole nother existence. We're citizens of heaven. Amen. Amen. We're aliens down here. Y'all out there? You understand what I'm saying? That's what he means, you know? That's what he's talking about. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. That's what the Bible says. So we're sojourners. We're strangers. We're pilgrims on the earth. We're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. We're not looking for San Francisco. We're not looking for LA. We're not looking for St. Louis. We're not looking for New York. We're not looking for Detroit. We're looking for that new Jerusalem. That city whose builder and maker is God. Hallelujah. Abraham, Noah, all them, they had the promissory note. And they trusted in the God that's more than enough. And whenever they left this life and this earth, they didn't, listen, they didn't go to punishment and torment. They went into Abraham's bosom. Yeah. They went and waited for the Redeemer to come. And one day the Redeemer showed up and he led captivity captive. And he brought them up out of that earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. That's right. Amen. So it takes faith. Everything we do is faith required for all of it. Now, turn over, if you would, to 1 John chapter 4, or chapter 5, I'm sorry. 1 John chapter 5, just right over here real close. Hallelujah. Let's start with the first verse. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one of God, you're born of God. That means you're born again. And everyone that loveth him that begot loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. So we're loving God's children when we love him and keep his commandments. What is that? That's the commandment of love. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. They're not. He just said walk in love. And he gave us the love to do it with. He shed abroad his love in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So he gave us the love to do it and told us to do it. 
So all we got to do is trust him. Lord, I don't have the love in my natural ability, but I got the love in the Holy Ghost because you put it on the inside of me. Help me to love the unlovely. And he'll do it. Amen. You got to do it by faith. Everything requires faith. Now watch verse four. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Are we born of God? Then what does that mean? The world doesn't overcome us. We overcome it. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Say, that's me. That's me. I'm a world overcomer. World overcomer. Hallelujah. And watch. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our what? Faith. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Hallelujah. Boy, that's shouting ground right there. Amen. So faith's important, isn't it? Well, let's look at one more scripture and we're going to stop. Turn to Romans chapter 14. Now drop your rocks before we get there. Let's uh, start with the 17th verse. Because the context of what he's talking about here is he's talking about what we eat. But yet, the latter part of verse 23, you know, it falls in the, the, the law of dual reference because it, it's, it's all about faith. So let's start with the 17th verse. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, because he's talking about what we eat. If we go somewhere and we, people invite us to eat and do things like that, so he said, the kingdom of heaven is not meat and drink, but this is what the kingdom is all about. Righteousness, that's right standing with God. Peace. Hallelujah. Well, without peace, true peace and holiness, we can't see the Lord. And joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. How? In the Holy Ghost. Verse 18, for, that, for he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. So build one another up. For meat, destroy not the work of God. In other words, don't get all so caught up in what you can eat and can't eat that you're going to cause the falling out amongst the believers in the church. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. In other words, if you're offended by eating, then don't eat it. 21, it is good neither to eat flesh nor drink wine or anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. In other words, if what you do is causing someone to stumble, don't do it. That's why when we talk about, we're not here to argue over whether you can drink as a Christian or not. But I do know this, if you're drunk, you're in trouble. All drunkards will have their part in the lake of fire and brimstone. Do I believe in drinking? No. But I'm not here to argue over it. It's not, it's between you and God. Amen? Because I can't tell you you can't, because the Bible doesn't say you can't. But the Bible does say don't be a drunk. And the Bible also says don't drink to the point you come under the influence of it. That doesn't take much for you to come under the influence. But Paul did tell Timothy, drink a little wine for your stomach's sake, so he's not again. Now let me just take this little side journey here real quick. When Paul told Timothy that, drink a little wine for the stomach's sake, that's the same thing as telling someone you can't take medicine. Yeah. Hello? Okay. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So it's not a sin to take medicine. Mm -hmm. Amen. Come on now, I'm just telling you the truth. 
You know, some people say, oh, it's a sin to take medicine. No, that's not what Paul was saying. Paul wasn't against medicinal things. He had a physician that traveled with him by the name of Luke. You don't think Luke prescribed things, you know, herbs and nuts and berries or whatever he <laughs> prescribed, you know, they had at the time? Yes. Guaranteed he did, because Paul told Timothy, drink a little wine from the stomach. Say, why? Because they would get parasites in the water, and they would get in the stomach and cause them stomach problems. And he said, you drink a little wine, the alcohol content in the wine would kill those parasites. It was a medicinal thing. But Paul went on to say to the church at Ephesus, don't drink wine till the point you come under the influence of it. Well, that doesn't take much. But yet if he said don't drink it at all, then what he told Timothy would have been a sinful thing, wouldn't it? But see, if your purpose for drinking it is to come under the influence of it, you're drinking it for the wrong reason in the first place. You need to come under the influence of something, come under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's it right there. That's it. Let Him influence you. Amen. Hallelujah. You understand what we're saying? Amen. We're not here to fight over things. I'm just giving you the Bible. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. All right, so let's go a little further. It's neither, verse 21, it is good neither to eat flesh nor drink wine nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth. See, if what you do causes someone to stumble, now you're sinning. So don't do it if it causes your brother to stumble, or is offended, or is made weak. Verse 22, hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not in faith. For whatsoever... Now, that's why we know this is not just talking about food, because whatsoever still means what? Whatsoever. whatsoever. Yeah. For whatsoever is not of faith is what then? Sin. That means if what we do is not in faith, we're sinning. Mm -hmm. I didn't write the book. Mm -hmm. I told you to drop your rocks before we got there. You understand what I'm saying? I didn't write the book. But he says right here, whatsoever we do, if we don't do it in faith, we're sinning. So that means when it comes to pray, and we're praying those continued, earnest, deep, heartfelt prayers of righteous individuals that makes tremendous power available. That means when we start praying, if we're praying for a situation, a health situation in somebody's body, if we're praying for someone, we're praying for the nation, we're praying for the church, if we get all bummed out because things don't change when we think they should change, if we get all upset because we haven't seen that radical thing happen yet, then that means we haven't done it in faith. That means we've been sinning. Don't get quiet on me now. I'm just telling you the truth. He said whatsoever is not in faith is what? So if we're praying, I don't care if we're praying, you know, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. My people call by my name, humble themselves. We can pray that prayer. But if we don't pray it in faith, we're sinning. You understand what I'm saying? If we're interceding for unsaved people and we're not doing it in faith, we're missing the mark. Sin means to miss the mark. We're missing the mark. We got to do what we do in faith. If we confess our faults and don't do it in faith, we're missing the mark. And we're not receiving the forgiveness we need. Y'all listen to what I'm saying here? Oh, but the other side of the coin, if we do it in faith, 
We make tremendous power available that can be nation-changing, church-changing, life-changing, hallelujah, situation-changing, circumstance-changing. Man, we make power available that can turn hopeless situations around. We can watch God move and bring revival, hallelujah, and reap a harvest and expose the devil and all of his cohorts. Amen. Judge the sin and bless the righteous. We can make available everything God once made available for the church to be victorious and triumphant. Are y'all out there? Hallelujah. But it's up to us. But we got to do it in faith. We cannot just be doing it and wasting our time spinning our wheels. The church has done a whole lot of it. And when we, when we hear all these things sent out, we need more people praying, more people praying. No, what we, don't, what we need is more people praying effectively. Because you could have, listen, you could have millions, millions and millions of people praying, but if you're not praying effectively, it's not producing anything. How do we know that? Because if you're not doing it in faith, the Bible says you're wavering. We looked at that this morning, James chapter 1. Isn't that right? If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, give it all men liberty, and upbraideth not, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth, when it comes to faith, if you waver, he said you're like a wind of the sea, wave of the sea, tossed with the wind, to and fro. And he, and he said, I didn't say it, the Bible says it, and you're unstable. And he said, let not that person I'm just using the word person. It says in the King James man, but he's talking about human being. Let not that individual think that they will receive anything of the Lord. Y'all out there? So faith important to us. So we can't crumble. When we, I don't care if we prayed for months. Just because we haven't seen the answer yet. We don't give up, give in and quit. We continue to pray. We do just like Jesus said. We keep reminding God. We keep letting him know. We're just, like the, we're just like the unjust judge. And we know that suddenly God will avenge his elect. And we are his elect. Who? The believers. And he will avenge us. He will answer those prayers. It will come to pass. Are y'all listening? So we don't stop praying. We continue to pray. How long did Elijah pray? I don't know exactly. But I know he prayed earnestly till the rain stopped. Then he prayed earnestly again till the rain started. Well, we got to pray till the rain starts. And then we keep praying till the trumpet sounds. Because we don't want the rain to stop till the trumpet sounds. Did you get anything out of this tonight? Hallelujah. It's good news, isn't it? Father, we thank you for your holy written word. We thank you that it produces great results in the life of each and every one of us that will act on it in faith. And Father, we give you glory for it. We praise you for it. We worship you for it. We magnify you for it. And Father, we thank you, Lord God. We are seeing things changed in our nation, in the church world, 
in our lives, in our families, because, Father, we're going to do what we do in faith. And we know it's going to produce great results. And we give you all the glory for it in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.